This is episode one, Naming the Podcast. Before our recording session at iCreate Sound Studios, I met with my friend, recording artist and lead singer of the progressive rock band, Lobate Scarp. I want to put a spotlight on what it's like to be creative in a world that's often afraid to be different. Join us as we share our unique ways of working, living, and seeing the world. This is the Language of Creativity Podcast. Righto. Well, hello, Adam. Oh, hello, Steve Levitt. <laughs> this is my podcast. Hello, welcome to it. I'm sure there was a cool title sequence bumper at the beginning, but I don't know what it's called yet as of now. So I like the title. I, I know already. I'm psychic. Cool. <laughs> what is it? You can tell me. Uh, well, it's in, it's, it's in an, uh, another language. Oh, okay. It's in Latin. It's in another language. That might be a good <laughs> podcast name right there. <laughs> Um, if your mic's falling down, the language, can... the language of creativity. I don't know. The language of creativity. I don't know. I'm just coming uh, up with it. I love it. <laughs> language of, yeah, just put, put that in one, uh, one of your, uh, one of the lists language of, cause you want to talk about creativity and how it affects well, what, why don't you say what it's about since you're well, since you're the creator I think, of it? I think this podcast is going to be a, a, a bit of a mashup between um, a lot of things that I'm interested in, uh, one of which is the unseen, uh, being being somebody who is musical, uh, I am also very sensitive to the subtler things in life. Mm. So I'm sure you can relate to that. Like when you're musicking, you're musicking because you feel it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's something that you tap into that's out of this world. Right. So I, I can probably say that almost every musician on the planet has experienced some version of that in their life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's like you're when you're being creative when you when you write something, you're like, it's almost like you didn't write it. I feel like a lot of times, like when I write my songs, I feel like, where did that come from? And I feel like it didn't come from me, you know, not specifically like a little bit came from me. I wouldn't say like maybe a percentage of maybe like 20% me and then 80% of the sea of tranquility or the sea of of consciousness, sea of consciousness that's out hanging out hanging around the 11th the top of the 11th dimension dimension yeah to get instantly mystical in this podcast right right yeah it's kind of like you know if you take that idea of we are the universe experiencing itself as human Hmm. then what if you know what if our experience in life is the channel by which that expression of art comes through to the world so you're going to be talking a little bit about cosmology and spirituality and like like uh like philosophy yeah through art yeah well and also practically too i mean like you know in terms of like you know uh, i've been told philosophy is extremely impractical but i think that philosophy helps you approach life in the best way if your if your philosophy is one that aligns with who you are, uh, I think your philosophy can inform 
what it is that you're doing so that you're making certain choices above right. others because you realize right. like one of my philosophies now in the last, uh, I don't know, five to 10 years is that time is my only non-renewable resource. So like I can always invent a way to come up with more money, you know, so anything can happen, right? Somebody could give you a thousand dollars tomorrow, you know, off the, anything is possible, but in terms, as far as we know, there's only in this life experience, there's only a finite amount of physical heartbeats that mm-hmm. you have. And that in terms of in terms of this this current, you know, like if you believe in other universes or other lifetimes or whatever, in terms of this current lifetime that you're here and the idea of you only have one life to live, I think that is a valuable idea in some moments to understand that, you know, you don't want to waste your time doing something that is not meaningful to you. Right. Yeah. So many people do. So so many people do that, do do that to get by, to feed their family, to, you know, uh, you know, as they work their job to, you know, for a means to an end. Well, but I the suppose end is you die and then there's no other chance that, that we know of to try it again. Well, I guess that it's funny to hear you say it that way because then I think, well, I don't want to minimize working for your family, right? Because that's also part of the wheel of life, isn't it? Exactly. Like, there are things you have to do to get by. There's got to be a way to do what you love and supply for your family. Yeah. I think that's... And your life. I think that's the underlying question. Yeah. I think that, that in, in, in essence, for me, is what drives me um, to write and publish, which has been kind of more of a focus of mine lately is this itch to, you know, do a podcast or things like that, because I am looking for and looking at different ways that people could and have successfully got off that hamster wheel we call modern life Hmm. and created meaning through what they're able to do in the world. And I want to see the art that the artists that I know and the art that I personally am involved with make an impact you know full on steve jobs denton universe style do something that has meaning and value right and um i think that's just about every artist is striving to create that right yeah a, i believe i i really feel that you know that's what art is art is to you know uh people it's to relate to other people and and every artist wants uh, their work to, um, to make an impression on somebody. Um, if not, you know, the world, you know, to Mm -hmm. make the world a better place is the end all be all is the, uh, or, you know, to influence, to make things better, uh, to make people's lives better, happier. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it just could be something very simple. Like, you know, you just made someone's day because you wrote one song and they, you know, and you know, just, uh, you know, it feels good as an artist, you know, it feeds back into you, you know, it makes you feel good. You're giving and it feels like, you know, you're do- you're doing good in this world. I remember um, that was my favorite feedback of the Don't Call a Story showcase that I used to do right. with Shannon Hurley. Um, I remember that. Yeah, that was such a cool thing because I actually had people come up to me that was like the only time they had ever been to the showcase. And our focus was twofold. First, was the audience and second was the artist. So we wanted to serve the artists and make them happy. But first we had to serve the audience. So this is the number one underlying motivator or, or guiding light. 
Um, somebody came up to me after a show and was like, hey, you know, I didn't know about this before, but the music that was at this showcase, like, made me have a better day. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and like that, I think, is what every artist, musical artist or visual artist or any kind of artist, most most of them would like to hear something like that. I think that would make their day. Yeah, man. That was a great... Uh, I mean, that's where I met you. At that's, the oh, Don't that's Call right. Story. I believe it was... Was it at that coffee house? Karma Coffee House. Karma Coffee House. It is now a burger joint in right. the middle of Hollywood. It's yes. really good burger joint. It's a really we great burger joint. We went to that joint. burger joint, too. We did, we? yes. Yeah. So, you know, sad to see Karma go happy about the good burger joint they have great beer too mm. um but um mm, beer sorry yeah sorry for all you abolitionist uh, not abolitionist uh sorry we won that sorry for all you um uh prohibitionists out there <laughs> and vegans i can't wait till i get beer. i haven't been drinking beer uh diane and i my, my girlfriend for those of you who don't know uh we've been doing a uh, no no sh- no carbs no sugar diet Oh so, wow! So that includes beer. It's a big because it's very, uh, very grainy. Beer is um, like sugar factory. Sugar factory. Yes. But, but yeah, with the grains. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but birthday month is coming. And so you've been saving up for birthday month, so you'll be yeah. a cheap date because we're gonna, you we're you, gonna get a lot of beer. Yeah. We're gonna stock our fridge. We're gonna go out, drink a lot, eat some pizza. That stuff sounds that amazing. We don't normally eat, so yeah, that's blow. that sounds like all stuff I can't do anymore. <laughs> My body's <laughs> just like no. <laughs> and you can't do the dairy, right? You're... I can't do dairy. Um, my feet inch when I drink alcohol now, so there's something going on with that. And yeah, if if I wanted to, like, I can still have pizza if I don't have, like, if I have vegan cheese on it. So um, I'm learning moderation by the forced method. <laughs> it's been better for my waistline though oh my god yeah well, we're, so we're talking about beer i was trying to think how do we get into this tangent oh yeah so karma is what it used to be yes. so now where they have excellent burger and beer used to be the karma coffee house where you uh were one of the co-creators and uh sound you were the sound mixer as well right yeah for, uh, i was don't uh, call a story some people some people you know got to talk to me um like for two seconds in between me running around trying yeah. to make sure people got on stage. And we also did like a uh, live webcast. Uh, this guy named Jacob did a, a radio thing uh, called Indie Airplay. And they used to like, actually not very many people know this, but oh. used to simultaneously stream back in the day when very few people knew what podcasts were. Oh. Um, he was the first person who told me about podcasting. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> so don't call us Tory. Like it was pretty much guaranteed that, you know, sort of like this unwritten rule that if we had 24 people in the room in the physical coffee house, which wasn't very big, we would have another 24 people online. Mm. Like most times it was somewhat of a mirror of what we had in the room, which was pretty interesting. Why do you think that was? It was just a coincidence or is I, there a science behind that? I I just chalk it up to each person told their moms and then their moms <laughs> tuned in. <laughs> I, I mean, on a, on a, on a rational level, I'm sure that a lot of the artists would tell their fan base that they would have, but I, I just sort of chalk it up to more like the mystery of life. Like when, when I was in the movie business, we had this adage and it was true because I, I have multiple anecdotal personal and friends evidence that this was true and verifiable. We could probably get it in a peer reviewed study. Um, that if you book a vacation and you're an actor or you're a stuntman or you're in the film business, you will get a job. 
<laughs> the big job, the one that comes like right in the middle of your vacation. It's going to pay your bills. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, I used to joke that if, if, you know, you want to work, plan a vacation. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> I was driving to uh, Arizona. I was just doing, I was, when I first moved to LA, I was doing uh, background work and, uh, and I, and I was, I was uh, registered, I think it was, I guess it was through central casting and I was uh, driving to Arizona. I was visiting my grandma and my, and my uncle and uh, I get a call like, Hey, uh, we need you to work tomorrow we need, we need a double <laughs> it's a it's a four-day shoot oh no it was a union shoot so it was going to be it ended up being uh a matrix the matrix um it was for the mtv uh movie awards it was so the, did the, you drive all night the matrix uh spoof with uh will ferrell and uh and i was supposed to be uh scott uh, sean william scott's photo double did you pull a celine Sent dion and cadillac commercial and drive all night so I basically, I, I stayed one night at Arizona. I was going to stay for like three nights. So oh, okay. I stayed one night. I drove all the way there five hours and then drove all the way back the next day, like or super early, six in the morning. Uh, and then I got there. I don't think it started like in the afternoon. So I basically oh, got there in time. Oh, lucky you. So, um, Rock so, and roll. Yeah. And then, and yeah, it was a great job. It was, it was really cool. And I remember that too. That, that was freaking hysterical. But I was like, no, of course they're calling me now. I am the architect. Yeah. It's so good. I have also designed several other video games like Cuber yeah. and Dig Dug. Yeah. Oh, you remember that. I didn't make Frogger, but I did name it. When I was walking. Can you believe that they oh, were wow, about you... to call it Highway Crossing Frog? <laughs> <laughs> you what? Wow, you remember that. How do you remember that? I have this weird brain wow. that like traps random stuff. <laughs> that is super impressive because I was like, holy <laughs> shit. That is like the, the funny thing is when, when I first walked into the studio, uh, that Will Ferrell was, was improving on, on all that. He was, so oh. I got to see him where as soon as I walked in, he was, that's what he was doing. He that's was up incredible. on the ledge being the architect. And I was like, holy shit. Like this is for real. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking speaking of the Matrix, and I got to meet the Keymaster, the real Keymaster. You know, because um, he was in the spoof as well. Gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna out myself here, but you know, my mom rode the motorcycle that Trinity had the Keymaster on the back. Right, that's on right. Matrix Reloaded in the freeway chase. That's amazing. So yeah, um, but um, man, what a what a mind bender that was. That series of movies was like philosophy oh, in a I can. I love the Matrix. I love all three of them. I mean, the first one was was a masterpiece. The first one is hands down the best. But, but I, I dig I dig what they did for the second or third one. There's, they're not without too. their problems, but uh, but I I thoroughly enjoy them. I I actually think you know I mean as a as a philosophy lover, um, I actually never really studied philosophy in school, but I consider myself philosophical i could kind of get where they were trying to go with a lot of the the different points like determinism with the merovingian and all i thought it was very very interesting exactly they pretty much they touch upon like every religion and every major philosophy in that movie it's really interesting and they kind of put it all together yeah and i i like how it how you know you watch the first movie and then you watch the second and third movie it kind of opens your eyes a little more uh and and you're like oh shit so i thought i knew what was happening in the first movie right. but i really didn't there's a bigger picture and that kind of that whole that whole philosophy kind of just speaks out you to thought life. Like you, you were the one you thought you, you were the one really one of seven right. and we think we're the only living beings in the universe but 
Yeah. It's way bigger it's than, than we could possibly imagine. We think there are, you know, 200 billion galaxies. It's a great big universe and we're all really there. puny. We're just tiny little. But, uh, but, we could all be, but we could all be just one universe in a multi-universe. We could. And, you know, I think the multiverse theory has really blown a, pe- a lot of people's minds. I remember that universe mean used to mean like galaxy back in old right. school physics because well, yeah. there was no concept of galaxies per se. You just look out and see stars. So, you know, universe was all the stars. But they didn't know. They thought they were maybe other planets or other suns or they didn't yeah. know that some of those stars that we see in the sky are actually whole galaxies. It's amazing. And you zoom in and you see, I mean, I've been to Griffith Observatory and they're like, okay, in this little like one foot square on this like a uh, hundred foot wall, you know, this is, this is this little cluster of light is a galaxy and they zoom it out and you're like, what? That's crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It's insane. But you know, I mean, then you think about, I mean, my, one of my favorite pieces was that in the, um, the Ted talk where they were doing computer models of dark matter and when they zoom it out, their model of the universe between all the galaxies, there's like these fingers or like little channels of dark matter that right. run and they look like neurons. Right. Yeah. It's not the dark matter, but it's the uh, it's actually just the um, the way the galaxies are lined up. Oh, so those are the actual galaxies that they, they form clusters. Mm-hmm. And so those clusters themselves look like neurons in, in the brain. Yeah. You know, or. or uh, so it's possible that the universe is conscious and it's just a large brain. Exactly. Yeah. We're a large brain in a, in a you know, like and, just, in the, and people talk about other dimensions. So, you know, maybe the top of that 11th dimension is, you know, the, the outward appearance of the being that we're enclosed inside. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> some people, I hear some people's <laughs> minds exploding right now. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go like make some coffee or something. But dark um, matter, I love th- th- this whole thing about dark matter because you can't see dark matter and, um, and dark, uh, what, what's the other one? Dark, dark energy. Dark energy. Dark energy is a cool thing because dark yeah. energy is what, what keeps the galaxies together. You know, they keep, so, cause if, without dark energy, the stars and the galaxies would kind of would 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 you know keep on because uh, galaxies are actually the whole universe is uh, is uh, you know spreading apart. Yeah. You know. So, but the but the but the galaxies are still to, they're together even though they're all going apart from each other. The galaxies are still being they held still together. kind of cluster together as a galaxy. Yeah. They don't just dissipate into like right stardust. And it's because. In between each galaxy, which accounts for most of the universe, like ninety, I think like ninety six percent of the universe, if not more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to recall this from from uh, from Cosmos, um, but I believe yeah, it's like something like that. And uh, and the dark energy in between the galaxies are what uh, is uh, keeping them together. But I feel, and I'm sure I'm not the only one with with this theory, but. Um, you know, they talk about the fifth dimension. Like, I feel like these, the dark energy is just something that we can't see. It's in another dimension. It's an upper dimension. And that's what's holding our stuff together. It's it's as if I, you know, I'm holding a ball in my hand and my hand is the fifth dimension. My hand is the the dark universe is the, uh, is the uh, dark universe. Is the uh, world 
in exactly. his hands. Exactly. Oh, is that where that comes from? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, but like yeah. on some level, are we just like, you know, un- having the kindergarten level understanding of yeah. cosmology when yeah. we do religion? Right. You know, that's, yeah. Sorry. To, sorry to interrupt with a whole nother stream of, mo- of modality, but. Uh, but this is where you're, uh, this is what you want to do. Is this like kind of like what the podcast this is, is going to be? This is exactly like what All the right. podcast is going to be. This well, is amazing. I'm glad to have helped. Yeah. I need to, I need to cut back on my use of the word amazing though, because my wife says that it's like too much hyperbole equals no hyperbole. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. I'm just going to say, that's yeah. a, it was a fine the, you know, mashing up of science and philosophy and, and artistry religion and art and, 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 um, as amazing. And, and, and you were talking about earlier after, before we were talking about, uh, doing this podcast, uh, you were talking about, uh, modernizing, um, yes. Things modernizing, um, the methods we use to make music art, right. Um, commerce, because but making the, money like the 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 goal is to make is to end up you know making money doing something you love i guess we just talk, well, we it's talked not even, about it yeah we and i wouldn't even beginning. use the word money just because so much is even going to change in that front i right. mean you know two, 200 years from now we may not even be using money we're going to be using bitcoins we could be or some <laughs> derivative of that some other you know fall off of that you know blockchain could become useful for right. Uh, other things besides tracking transactions. Um, I think there will always be an exchange of value and energy, but, um, you know, I think part of the, the thing that we touched on, we were talking before the podcast was that sometimes artists get so distracted by the idea of making the money with their art that they spend all of their mental wheels and all of their creativity on the scheming to monetize what it is they're doing. And maybe that's not what they're best at. So my hope is, I mean, that I put my head together with other smart people who kind of see the trends of what's going on and maybe find some ways to make creating art sustainable so that it's a part of your lifestyle that you can easily do and that it generates benefit. Um, So I would say money would be a part of that for sure. Um, is necessary part of it, especially right now. But, um, you know, I think music has always been this communal, tribal, uh, people building right. thing. And, you know, I feel like I've always been really at home in the studio, which ironically is a little more of an introverted version of that. You kind of make it in this little bubble and then you release it. And that's that's kind of what I'd like to personally crack is like how do we get back to the old days of great studio records because that's my personal professional love is studio records i mean obviously i i I, you know if you've heard adam's first album uh time and space by low bait scarp uh you know that was a quintessential studio album i mean we made that you know over five years and it took a lot of you know we perfected that steely dan style i mean that was you know yeah if you um, have if you if you had a label if we had a label behind us, then we could easily get it done in maybe six months. In six months or less, because you you would have so much more resources with which to just block yourself in and do it. And I think that was that was the interesting thing about you that I really love is that you're so you're so in it 
you're so in your art that you're just, you know, you'd work and then you'd be like, all right, here's another, here's another hundred bucks. Here's another thousand bucks. Let's, let's chunk at it. And you didn't give up. Like most people, their staying power on music is like, you know, maybe they feel like, I don't know, like the world owes it to them to discover their talent and that somebody's just going to pour all this money into them. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily how it works anymore. I'm not going to say that's not how it could work for somebody because certainly, you know, law of attraction, right? You can create, you know, you can attract to yourself what you want. But I mean, along those lines, I mean, I think the the most most people are in the awareness of focusing on what they don't have. And I think maybe that's the key is like, instead of trying to say, oh, the music business is fucked up, you know, like it's not working, like, oh, I can't get any fans, whatever. Like, look at where we be present in this present moment and look at the landscape and go, okay, we live in a time where I could literally sing a song right now and put it up on YouTube, SoundCloud, whatever, it doesn't matter, you know, I could do something artistic and instantly have access to the entire world. Is everybody going to find it? Who knows? But can anyone, for all intents and purposes, most people on the planet get to that instantly? Hell yes. And that is staggering, right? Right. When when in history was that ever possible? Right. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, the days of old, you know, the music industry is not like it was that's for sure you know so it's it's everything's different we have to go with the times we have to change things up yeah but also you know i mean my passion is you know like i said all old school records and those don't get made on garage band you know you don't you don't i mean if you're prince maybe you make a really stinking great demo with all the instruments at once but most people need some some degree of professionalism what they do and they don't have the money or they don't think they have the money and um you know i'm hoping to you know maybe find ways around that find ways to uh maximize the return that someone would get for a short period of professional help you know kind of like what we did on your record i mean Rich Mauser, who did your one of your favorite albums, Spock Speared Five, um, and many of the Spock Spears from then, you know, when when it was time for us to mix, you know, I'm like, well, out of anyone in the world, who would you want to have mix it? You were like Rich Mauser. Yeah. And um, I remember, and this is a funny story. I may have told you, I don't think I've told very many people, but I remember just kind of having this knowing that we needed to mix your album on a real console in a big studio. Nice. And I even had a picture in my head of what the studio looked like. You know, oh. I had this like visual that I kind of, you know, dimly lit. I'm not super visual person. So imagine like looking through a dirty window, right? You know, like I kind of had this like imagination of what I pictured your, w- the place that we mix your album like looking like. And when you said Rich Mauser, you're like, I, I don't even know how to get a hold of him. Yeah. And, 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 and the, most bizarre thing is I didn't even know he lived so close. I didn't even know he lived in the same state. Yeah. I didn't know where he lived. I was like, let's look him up. Why not? Like what's, you know, what's the harm in in looking and, and, you know, putting that intention out there that, Hey, we could find what we want. And, um, I remember was looking and finding his website and then finding out he lived right away. And then just like, you know, you're like, Steve, what do we do? I was like, I don't know. Let's send him an email. Right. Yeah. We just sent him an email and, and, uh, said what we were doing and, you know, we don't, you know, we're just starting off, uh, you know, and I told him, you know, I love your mixes, you know, we're, we're going for something, 
huge and epic like this. And I love how, um, how your mixes are, uh, you know, every, every instrument has its own place, you know, in the mix, you know, and, and everything is so clear. And, and, uh, you know, I just basically said, I love your mixes and, and I would, what would it take for, for us to work with you and, and to, to, to mix this album, to make it, to, to finish it, to complete it? Yeah. And, you know, it was amazing because we got to go there and um, sit with him and, you know, see his space, which is incredible. And um, I think it was one of those moments for me where I was like, oh, wow, like this is exactly what I had pictured. And I didn't know why I was picturing that. I just knew that felt like the right thing for your project. And, um, you know, he ended up mixing the record and it was phenomenal. It was fan freaking tastic. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, but one of the things that I want to talk about is what was it like for you, you know, kind of have, you know, doing the, the DIY budget kind of thing. Now all of a sudden working with a rich Mauser who charges what he charged right. per day. Right. What, what, what did it take for you to expand your mindset beyond where you were and to where you wanted to be? You know, um, yeah, it just, it, it, it all seemed to, it all seemed to fall together because uh, I was at the time I was, you know, I was acting, I was doing uh, commercials, and you know, when I first started Time and Space, um, you know, I, I was writing. I was like in my house. I was just like writing a bunch of stuff, and then I, I finally got I got that one uh, big commercial, my very first commercial uh, out here, and 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 that allowed me to. Um, work less on my day job serving job and um restaurant restaurant yeah, yeah. I used to work at the macaroni grill it's uh. no longer there <laughs> they used to sing i used to take my wife, wife yeah i was there. the uh, i was the opera singer and i got lots of stories so we'll have to do multiple podcasts because i think this be is like amazing minutes <laughs> yeah well you know at least it won't be three hours but, so you'll have to have me back at some point I i'm gonna do a formula okay. like the amount of time you intend something to take versus when it's creative versus what it balloons into it's pretty much predictable i think we could multiply times let's see 20 times four would be what carry the one yeah some i don't know math. <laughs> i'm sure there's a formula so at the beginning of the podcast you'll be like Welcome to this 10-minute podcast, and then it ends yeah. up being like an hour. Ten, you know, well, no, that's no, that's no. an exaggeration factor of 10. I think it's more like, you know, maybe 30 or 40 minutes, maybe. maybe okay. 50. Yeah, that's a good, a good, yeah. like, a, like, a, like a sitcom length. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> you have like a laugh track and everything. Yeah. But, I'll, I'll, um, I'll insert one right here. Yeah, that would be, be amazing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I... Was uh, so I got this big job that allowed me to uh, not work as much and uh, get uh, rehearsal spaces, get my band together, uh, and then start recording uh, the album, which was fantastic. So that helped me out. And then, and then, um, you know, and then a few years later, when I got another big commercial, that allowed me to uh, finish it, finish it up. And if it wasn't for that commercial, I mean, maybe Rich would be able to work with me. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to you know you know I, I don't know the circumstances were different actually like i had I had the money uh i saved up the money and i was like okay let's just make this the best it could possibly be and and he it turned out he was absolutely the right guy to go totally to. the right guy um yeah and 100%. Uh, yeah and, and it was great when we produced uh beautiful light a couple of years ago that was amazing because because not only did he get the mix but he also got to co-produce with you which was great that was mm -hmm. a really 
great energy for that song. Um, that turned out to be any better than any track on the first album. Yeah, um, and it's a hard, It's probably a. Uh, we hope a uh, yeah. a sign of the, the what the rest of the album will turn out like. Yeah, but um, you know, actually, but, uh, I'll let you finish, oh, and then sure. I wanted to ask you a question about oh, sure. that. Yeah. Well, so basically right now, uh, where I'm at is, um, you know, I have some money saved up, um, you know, I, but, uh, but to finish the whole album, that would be difficult without doing some sort of, uh, uh, like a, like a peer, peer raising, like a, what do you call it? Like, or crowdfunding. Crowdfunding thing. So, right. so that's going to happen soon. We did um, a crowdfunding. And we did. Um, and I wanted to ask you about that. Because this too. is a bit of more that of helped that as well. deeper level of sure. right things, right? So, you know, we did, we did a really focused effort at doing a really well-designed campaign right but we were asking for a lot of money right and of course we we right. didn't make it you right. that didn't you didn't that didn't happen for you so how did you deal with that what did you learn from that like i mean it was rough it was um you know because i put in so much work into that when we did and you did uh and everyone involved you know we hired uh we hired we hired a we hired a videography group. company which was absolutely a good move. They were great. And yeah. They, they, they edited it and, uh, put it all together and, um, they put, we got a great video. Um, you know, does it matter how great your video is to introduce? I mean, it probably does matter to a certain extent, but as far as like budget, you know, budgetary I don't think we had the you reach. Know, there's not a formula. Yeah, I think it might have been the reach. I think you you definitely had the right video if you're trying to reach yeah. the kind of people you were going to reach. But either either there was something that wasn't resonating, or simply just not enough people saw it within the time of the campaign. Right. right. And that's where you get into the right. really tricky metrics. I mean, I looked into this a couple times, and it seems like we that's high, where you know? we that's, did pretty good. I mean, we raised like it was. I think we what did we raise like thirteen thousand or something like that. Yeah, this was I mean, really we asked impressive. For like 25, we were 25, 25, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which we needed, which because, is reasonable for the album that we're trying to do. You know? Right, we're trying to do some big things, but yeah, a lot of people said go smaller, and it was like I remember you. I think it was you who said I don't really want to do that because if I raise the money and then we can't make the record we want to make, then we're not making it. I don't want to make the half. I don't want to make only half an album. I want right. to make, I don't want to make a shitty whole album or or, a half, you know, or a, half of a awesome like few tracks cuz right. like, the whole idea was that that the whole concept was going to be not necessarily that it was a concept album but it was a, it was a it was a um you know a uh, a line of a lineage of tracks that when put together make a whole make the whole you know yeah in my, in my mind anyway you know? i think so i mean i really think there's a culmination that you're trying to create with your your final song on the record and i i think it's amazing and you know i mean that's one of the things i really admire about Prague in general is that there is a whole um it's very it's like it's like uh it's like orchestral music where it's there's movements and there's pieces of a story that sort of evolve and become something and you can't just you know, you can't just take it in isolation very often. I think it's right. it's a whole experience. And that in itself is maybe kind of a, a not I wouldn't say a dying art, it's kind of a reviving art is right. the concept album. I mean, right. I, there's a lot of groups now that have that when they do it well, if you can manage to pull it off, it, it can be amazing. Right. Um, but you know, but like like I said, you know, the reach and this is where a lot of the marketing brain people out there get really good at, you know, 
the numbers. Maybe it's a different personality type that's really good at knowing like, oh, you know, if you want to reach X amount of people, then you're going to get 1% conversion on blah, blah, blah. And mm. stuff. And then, you know, people that know how, okay, you put these words on the top of your Facebook ad and these words at the bottom and you have to make sure you have an ask and you always make sure there's a call to action and you do, and you have to have an image because the images do, or the videos do better than the images and the images do better than plain text. And, you know, here's how much you should pay per click. And, you know, I feel like that's, there's people who are really good at that. And I feel like it's good to know that you need someone like that and when to bring them in. Right. But, it sucks trying to be an artist and try and learn all that by fire. Right. We shouldn't focus as artists. I don't think we should be focusing on those things. We should be focusing on our art, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's like we have to have those things, you know? So ideally in the ideal world, you know, we get, we hire somebody to, to make that all happen. Right. And it's like, had you made your goal, then your video, your videographer would have been worth every penny. Sure. But that's the thing. And and this is what I'm learning about what I do is like, I'm also understanding now, Oh, I'm not just a a music producer, recording engineer guy. I'm also an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs. When I've studied them, they look at life completely different than the average person. Most people are like, Hey, I'm going to put in 40 hours and on Friday I get my paycheck and then I'm going to go like party for the weekend. You know, that's like their mindset. Like I work, you pay me where the other, the other, uh, approach in, in entrepreneurship is like you take a big risk, but you put together a plan that you hope is like, it's like proving a theory in science. Like you put together this theory and then you test it, right? You don't know if it's going to be true. You don't know if you're going to be able to verify it, you know, but, um, you know, sometimes in, in entrepreneurship, you know, you, you test out different assumptions and you see what's gonna, you see what's going to work and you tweak it and you tweak it and you tweak it. And the thing is, is that I know, um, not very many, um, performers have that mindset you know it's kind of like you know you 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 know i mean maybe i suppose if you're like used to playing a lot of gigs and you you know you bomb a couple gigs and you 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 realize you tweak what i think that's the closest analogy i can come up with you tweak what's not working until everybody's vibing on it yeah um but it's the same thing you know with business it's just a different kind of feedback you don't get this like i think as artists we're used to this like human like individual feedback like you get with your friends or family like you know if i say something you laugh then i know you liked it or if you smile or if you're kind of looking at me funny i know Mm -hmm. it's not so good when you're in the cold market of selling music to fans on the internet you don't get those kind of feedback it's not very touchy-feely so the people who excel at that are the like left brain rational analytical number people because they can look at things like you know click through rates and they can determine what a group of people are doing based on those metrics where like you and I would kind of not like look at it and go I don't know I just see a bunch of numbers on a page I don't I don't get it I see a bunch of squigglies <laughs> someone make me a chart mm-hmm. um but my po- I do have a point um but you know the point is is that like um, when, you know, a lot of times when artists fail at something that's not in their depth, it's just not in their depth. You know, there's like, was that a bee behind you or something? Uh, it's like a, I don't know, flying ant. Yeah. It's <laughs> like a bee or a fly or something. All right. Well, if it stings Adam, you'll, you'll hear it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like a tiny bee. I don't know. Tiny bee. Um, but yeah. So anyway, to, to kind of wrap it up, like, I think that, you know, the entrepreneurial mindset is, a different animal and um 
it takes, I mean, it took me to kind of realize that I have to be the CEO of my own endeavors to kind of like change the way I looked at what I was doing. And I feel like that is the opportunity that's presented to bands and artists these days is that you kind of get to be your own entrepreneur with the tools out there. You can easily use MailChimp to have a mailing list and do all these things that you could be doing. The tools have never been easier. Um, but you can't look at yourself as just an artiste if right. you want to. I mean, you could, but, and maybe some people should, but you know. You could if you have, if, if you have people that you're able to hire, but. Right. But if you know, not, you kind of have to do pretty much everything. And then I just... feel like the people who are really successful now at music in this independent world is are the people who understand a little bit of entrepreneurship and treat their business like they're the CEO of their own business. Right. Is their band or their music? Right. And um, I'll share this, and then we'll change the topic. But you know, for me, what I I understood after reading fifteen years of business books finally clicked for me is like, if you're trying to do everything. You're a bad business person. Right. No successful CEO um, builds his own product, runs his own finances, uh, you know, cleans his own factory, does, you know, like drives his own delivery van. You can't. Like at some point you're going to get too maxed out. There's only a certain amount of bandwidth that human beings have. You know, we may be kind of infinite among the cosmos, you know, outside of ourselves. But mm. in in this but in, in our this reality, reality in this dimension, part of the fun of planet Earth experience is limitation mm. and how to transcend that, how to express your divine big nature in this small body and how to make an impact and an influence and for, for the good, I hope, you know, I mean, that's what I'm about. But, you know, to, in 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 this fashion that that's sort of like, you know, there's only so much time in a day. I think that is the human experience. It's only 24 hours in a day and mm-hmm. 365 days. You can try year. not sleeping, but dude, good luck with that for very long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll start to hallucinate. Yeah. Which, you know, could be fun for a minute, but like yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't feel good. I've, I've stayed way, so way too much on, especially on your albums, man. Like I'm kind of done with all nighters. I don't know how we're going to, yeah, <laughs> we have to go back to drinking the rock stars. Oh my God, rock stars! We did so many rock stars. We did a lot of rock stars. I think that's why I have heart palpitations now. <laughs> I just sounded like a groupie. We did a lot of rock stars. Uh, that's what the groupie said. Wait, that's, no. that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, thanks for being my guest. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this, this was amazing. I'm honored to be on your very first podcast that you don't even have a name for. Yeah, but, tell, what was that? Creative? I can't even remember what you said. It was made after rewind back, the tape. Uh, after rewind language, the proverbial tape. The language of creativity. The language of creativity. I love it. Yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your band and uh, give us a little ID or an ask of the crowd if you would like to. Oh yes. So I have a band. We've uh, it's more of a project than a band, uh, but every now and then we perform live, and uh, we we're working on uh, a couple new singles right now. Uh, in fact, after we two get new singles done uh, after we get done with this, that's podcast, what we're supposed to be doing right now. Yeah, I think we got a little. Uh, well, yeah, you, you, uh, this is interesting. This the side interesting, track so wanted, is the main track. That's what I'm yeah. realizing. Sometimes you need to like connect with the fun part so you, you don't can get have through that. Too much to do on the tracks. Uh, we just have to. Uh, Almost editing. ready for vocals, man. Yeah, we could do some vocals next yeah. week, and uh, and then I got to talk to Rich and see what his schedule is. By the time this airs, it may yeah. already be done. But, so uh, where can people find yeah. you? So we have our first album that we were talking about, Time and Space. 
Uh, they can find us at lobatescarp.com. So, L-O-B-A-T-E-S-C-A-R-P. You got it. Lobatescarp.com. Or you go to Bandcamp and look for Lobatescarp. And, uh, and we're on the Spotify's and the Apple Music's and all that stuff, too. And, uh, yeah, we, we came out with a single called Beautiful Light uh, a couple of years ago. So and that's the video, out. The lyric video is beautiful. There's a lyric video on YouTube. Uh, so we're pretty much all over the the the, uh, the internets. Yeah. And, uh, and, and where uh, do people follow you on Twitter? Do you do Twitter anymore? We do Twitter. Yeah, actually, uh, I feel like we do pretty well on Twitter. There's yeah. a lot of people that find out about us through so Twitter. So at Lobate Scarp. Just uh, at Lobate Scarp. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you want to treat, you want to tweet Adam Sears um, at Lobate Scarp on Twitter and tweet uh, me. He can you can just share you know about the mysteries of the universe and and on Instagram you could see Steve and I in the studio at work on what we're working on now and and uh, we're gonna have a single come out in uh, I believe in at the end of G- May or June. Yeah. Uh, then yeah. another one come out in July and then uh, if all goes well we'll have an album out by the end of the year. My Instagram at I create sound and um, yeah, gosh, you know, the only thing that, uh, you know, if you want to tweet Adam about dark matter, yeah. uh, it was, I, I was, I was trying to make a Futurama reference. At okay. That point. Oh, good. So yeah. I'm you, at uh, Adam, Adam Sears 32 on Twitter and Instagram. So yeah, if you want to look for me there, you could right send on. me a message and we could talk a couple hours about dark matter and dark energy and all that yeah. crazy stuff. Well, right on. We're going to get to work in the studio on this next uh, couple bit of tracks, and we hope that all of you will like and subscribe, Lobate Scarp, uh, find them on Facebook, and follow them for more news about the latest releases. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thanks for sticking with us. Um, before you go, I would really love it if you could check out our mailing list because we have a special episode available for you to download that won't be on iTunes. So if you go to the languageofcreativity.com forward slash new listener, you'll get to download this free episode with my friend Michael Zimmerlich, uh, founder of 8020 Records. He talks about strategies to start making connections in your music career. Very useful, very practical episode, even if you're not a musician. We hope you'd subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Overcast or your other podcast host of choice because there will be uh, new episodes coming out probably every two weeks for a while. So uh, we hope you enjoy and we'll see you next time.